0: It is the Ides of January of 2024. Uh, my name is George. This is my show, The George Show on 710 KNUS. Iowa caucuses today, that may be the biggest political news out there. At least nationally, we have some local stuff here that has taken place within the last, oh, I don't know, 18, 24 hours or so with the Colorado GOP. We'll talk about that as well. But it is cold. It is uh, Monday. Today, two degrees is what this ridiculous denver seven pictogram that james has saddled me with says two degrees that's the high i looked outside it looks to me like it's snowing i can't be certain because i have the lights on in here and that means i can't see much about what's going on outside but it looks like there's a bunch of snow low of 15 degrees i think those numbers are both freezing numbers i've got to go back and look at some of my kids uh, science stuff but i'm pretty sure that's below freezing tomorrow we see a spike in temperatures of 30 degrees we get all the way to 32 degrees wednesday we're back up to 41 we goof around up and down through uh friday and then this weekend 47 48 here's why that's important if you're like me And you spent, oh, I don't know, a couple mornings last week when it snowed on the radio, especially the way your house sits and how the sun hits it, you missed a golden opportunity to shovel off the snow. And so it may have with repeated car use turned into ice and you are now stuck. Until the weather gets above 32 consistently, you are going to be trapped in this icy driveway hell, and that's where I'm at right now. So chance of flurries, not again until Thursday, but today, you just got to get through today, and it's MLK Day. That's a big day. We remember Martin Luther King Jr. and his impact on America for the positive with the civil rights movement, all the great things that he's done. There's even going to be, I can't believe they're still going to do it, the Marade out there in Denver. I uh, participated in a bunch of those over the years. None since I've been out of office, only because I've ended up doing things like this where I can't actually be there. They do a special thing out in Aurora. Out at, uh, the library out there. They have a giant statue of Martin Luther King. That's always a cool one. The mayor and everybody are out there. And then they'll do the big marade, uh, out in Denver. I, my goodness, it's going to be cold. I hope they have a hot chocolate or something because that is a bit, that's a long walk as it is. Nice walk. Cause you know, everyone's upbeat and at least in the past, very unified. But now, of course, uh, free zing if you stop moving i think you instantly turn to ice it's like something out of i don't know the lion the witch and the wardrobe or something like that um uh, i'm here remote today billy out till wednesday that means james i imagine james got stuck with the job today and g will get stuck with the job tomorrow james is that right and i'm that waiting that is correct yeah sorry sorry you Drew the short straw on that one. Your kids, I presume, have the uh, the day off.
1: Yes, all of 27J has the day off.
0: And when you say 27J, that's a reference to some kind of a school district.
1: School district, yeah.
0: Yeah, which one?
1: Uh, it's Brighton Northeast.
0: Interesting. Um, for this weekend, because you're a big football guy, your son's a big football player. Has he, by the way, settled on where he's going?
1: We're looking at or he's he's been accepted to CSU. Um so I think that's where he's going to be going.
0: What do you want to do there? Engineering. Oh, that's good. Yeah, I mean, he's, not he's as good smart as one. CU, of course, but.
1: Yeah, he's a smart. one. Well, we're still waiting on CU. If it's CU then that'll be that'll be the choice.
0: You think so? So if it's between CU and CSU, your son is going to go for the upgrade and go to CU.
1: That's the, that's his plan. He's always wanted to go to CU. So, I mean, I got a picture of him in a CU jersey back when he was I don't know, seven, uh, four or five years old,
0: and that was not Dad's wish imposed on him. That was his no, wish. We
1: were at the <laughs> we were at a thrift store and we found this jersey, and it's just a number ten jersey, no name on the back or anything. But uh, yeah, he he's like Dad, I want that, I want that, and then he's never stopped talking about going to see you.
0: Man, that's something. Uh, my boy, of course, is a CSU kid. He says he's going to head up this morning around eight or nine uh, to head back to school. I think the break was. I just don't feel like I got to do enough with him. The break was just too darn short. And when you're not, you know, when you don't see your kid anymore, and James, you're not there yet. Is is your son the oldest that you know of?
1: No. <laughs> Funny. No, he's uh, he's the youngest. He's the last one. Oh, but so yeah.
0: Oh, no. So you guys are on the verge of just having each other to look at. Yep, that's it. Holy smokes, man. I hope you're ready for that.
1: I'm ready for that. I'm ready.
0: Uh, so for me, it's it's different. Trey is the second of four, so I still have two which run around, which is great because you still feel like you're an active dad at the time. But Trey goes up today. I never get – there's so many things like when the break began where I'm like, oh, let's go see this movie or uh, let's – like even on uh, – I think Netflix has, like, Equalizer 3 on it with Denzel Washington. Well, I'm a big Denzel fan. And we'd say, hey, yeah, let's watch that. Like, well, three weeks later, <laughs> we didn't we didn't watch it at all. We got a chance to play some games, but I wanted to do another Catan round, you know, with him and his brothers. and We didn't get a chance to do that. It just feels like the time slips away so dang quickly, and now he's going to drive up. I tried to get him to, hey, stick around till I'm after, um, off the radio. Maybe we can do brunch or a lunch. And he's like... Dad, the weather. I'm, under- I'm like, yeah, you're right. I get it. I understand you need to get up there, but holy smokes, it's uh, the time just flies by. Did you, because you're a football family, James, get a chance to watch any of the NFL playoff games?
1: I watched the uh, Chiefs win. I was un- that was unfortunate for. I don't know. I'm just not a Chiefs fan. Broncos. No, who fan. is exactly? I and mean,
0: what good yeah. human being is? Yeah.
1: And then I watched the Dallas Cowboys lose, which oh, oh my oh. gosh, they were. Oh. They were picked to go to the Super Bowl and win it, I believe. Yeah.
0: Not by me, but no. yeah, by by, by some. In fact, uh, Graham, my my youngest, had a bracket in which he had picked <laughs> the Browns to go to the AFC Championship and Dallas to go to the NFC Championship. He's like, "Well, it's busted." I'm like, "Yeah, it's over. <laughs> There's no rebounding from that." I wanted to see the Brown. You didn't watch the the Browns game?
1: I didn't get a chance to know.
0: I, see, I wanted, I wanted them to go on just because of, um, their history, which has been so dreadful and the Joe Flacco story. You know what I mean? They start the season with, uh, the rapist from Houston Texans mm-hmm. and then, uh, he can't, he can't make it work. They go through another backup. Finally, they dust off Joe Flacco, who never really caught fire here. And the dude is playing lights out football, you know? And I thought, oh, it'd be such a good story because I don't care about either of those teams, but the, uh, the Cowboys one. Oh man, America's team got beaten like a baby harp seal, buddy. Yes, 27 did. nothing to start is a tough is a tough thing to dig out of and they couldn't do it.
1: No, they just didn't they couldn't stop the uh they couldn't stop the the offense their defense was but jo- Jordan Love looked good. And and it, it, yeah, he did. It,
0: Jordan Love looked really good. I don't know what's going on with Dallas. And you would think that Mike McCarthy, who got fired from the Packers, would have his team chomping at the bit. To blow the doors off the Packers You know as some sort of a See what you gave up on kind of a thing Nope he just reminded Packers Why he needed to move on from the Packers
1: <laughs> That's it Any
0: uh, any chance you got To uh, watch any of the other uh, Playoff games I just picture you watching them with your son Or something like that I, I take for granted that you might have other things going on in your
1: life Wrestling tournaments Yeah that, that got in the way oh arvada west yeah.
0: where, what big wrestling tournament where it, were you
1: it was the arvada west invitational yeah ben took fifth how'd he your boy had, do oh he took fifth he he wrestled well uh, lost to oh, brighton what
0: weight what weight
1: class uh 165 uh but that, okay so check this out george the number one kid in the 165 bracket from pomona was in the bracket um, or in the state, sorry. Number one kid in the state in Ben's bracket. Number two kid in the state from Grandview in Ben's bracket. Number three oh, kid man. from, or he he dropped down from 175 from Brighton in Ben's bracket. Oh, Ben's brutal. Rick, yeah, yeah. Ben's rake number 10 in the state at 165. But that, going up against Grandview and Pomona, that's that's just ridiculous. Those kids are just... Has Pomona,
0: they're, I, I lost sight of them when... Um, when I was in high school back in the day, uh, Arvada West was a dominant wrestling program, but Pomona always had good wrestlers as well. Have they consistently been that way, or are they now surging again?
1: They are top. Yeah, their their team is ranked number one in the state. They had, there's 14 weight brackets. I think they had 10 number one first place finishers at the uh, at the Arvada West tournament. Hmm. It That's ridiculous. a lot. <laughs> it was ridiculous. Yeah. That's anyway, a lot. And 165,
0: for, for for people that don't do the wrestling thing and don't see this. And by the way, does your son have to cut weight to get 165? What's his walk around weight?
1: He cuts, he cuts down about four pounds
0: okay that's that's totally manageable, yeah yeah, when you look at the one sixty five wrestlers in high school, these guys are largely just muscles with hair on the top, you know yeah. what I mean, like these guys yeah. are so strong yeah. and so thick and uh and some of them are not cutting four pounds, some of them are cutting ten pounds or more, and they're like their walk around weight is somewhere between one seventy five and one eighty I don't know how dangerous that is i d my point is, holy smokes one sixty five in my mind, 155, 165, maybe the most competitive weight classes in the state just because of how strong, big, and fast these guys are. I know yep. some of the – and you may think differently, James. Some of the no lighter ones, range. those can be pretty cool. But w- when you hit that one – is 155 the one below
1: 165? 157. Yep. 150. Yep. Just, these guys are just
0: so strong and so fast, and it is, it's unbelievable. So the fact that your son is ranked 10th in the state mm-hmm. – Pretty impressive. Yes, pretty that, impressive. That was a already. big
1: tournament too. That was a big tournament. So, uh
0: huh. Yeah. That. Uh, so, what's next then? When does he uh, qualify for state and then go on to the big? Uh, the big. Is it uh, out there at uh, Pepsi Center Ball Arena?
1: Yep, it'll be at the Pepsi Center. He's uh, he's going to have a tough time qualifying for state. Pomona is in our region. Grandview is in our region, so uh, number one and number two. Um, Brighton is in our region. We're, you know that the kid that beat him <laughs> this last weekend, and uh, I th- think that's that's all the tops. But there's there's going to be five in his weight bracket that are that are ranked one through seven. So,
0: dang James, that's something, man. And then is he going to try to? Is he doing some sports at CU or CSU?
1: Where uh, they don't know about him yet because we failed to get his name out there, and, and, and there was some politics at the school, so he didn't get get a whole lot of play and time, but no he's we're gonna get our film together and uh get it to the c s u and see when open tryouts are and see if you can walk on
0: man that's pretty cool that that's pretty cool james nice weekend there um yeah. for for me, I ended up yesterday at a baby shower and uh it, listen folks th- there's an interesting dynamic that exists between district attorneys. And public defenders. And it's one that I don't think has always existed this way, but it has grown this way since I was a young baby DA back in, let's call it 94. I mean, somebody asked me the other day, I think Graham, like, hey, Dad, when did you uh, first start doing trials? And I said, I did my first trial in jury trial in July of 1994. And I thought, oh my God, that's going to be 30 freaking years ago here (laughs) coming up this July. And since I've been there, the the relationship between district attorneys and public defenders has been a challenging one. And it's not that they're all at the same level of toxicity, but there is something that exists in the public defender's office that you and I pay for through taxpayer money, where they, by design, recruit, train, breed, probably – a group of individuals who are Kool-Aid drinkers on the idea that the system is completely corrupt, that cops are always bastards and liars, that district attorneys will always cheat to win, and that injustice just reigns supreme in this process, and they alone are the ones that can stand between the evil and their clients. Uh, they will, they will sleep like babies after having acquitted a serial rapist. Or a murderer or something like that because they believe what they've done is to defend that person's constitutional rights. And that's more important than any other thing out there on the planet Earth. But that relationship, for and it's not true for all of them. Don't get me wrong. I've got people that I can hang out with, have a beer with. There's a small number who are public defenders. And certainly when they become former public defenders, they tend to mellow out a little bit more. But here's an example. Um, When I was DA, I actually hired people to be prosecutors who had backgrounds where they might have interned at a public defender's office or one who had worked for the ACLU. See, for me, the litmus test isn't what have you done and who have you worked for? It's what can you bring to the table and can I get some assessment of whether or not you have a good sense of right and wrong and justice and all that other stuff? Not so for the public defender's office. The public defender's office, if you ever applied as a law student to intern at a DA's office, you are dead to them. It is poison to them. They would never, ever, never consider hiring someone who was a former district attorney. Yet, I can tell you, I would hire a former public defender. In fact, John Kellner, my successor, he's hired a couple former public defenders who've gone on to be really strong prosecutors. The point here is that there is a complete breakdown in um it's not ideology, but in view of the criminal justice system in the world. So public defenders see prosecutors largely as just bad human beings. So this is my backdrop for what took place yesterday at this baby shower that I went to baby shower is for a, a woman who's pregnant because I refuse to say pregnant person, because I think that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Pregnant woman. She's married to, she's a former public defender. She's married to a police officer. So you can imagine already the tension that creates, not for the police officer, like nobody cares on the law enforcement side that you date or marry or something, a former, but nobody cares about that. But in the public defender world, that's like, I don't know. That would be like someone who was Jewish marrying someone from Hamas. Do you know what I mean? Like, that's how they would view that. So she invites a bunch of people over. I'm over there. There's some public defenders over there. Young, young former public defenders, too, that are just recent former public defenders within the last couple of few years. And I'm talking to a few people. I'm standing there with uh, um three former public defenders, and we're chit-chatting. I just take for granted, and and this is hubris on my part i take for granted that somebody uh in the criminal justice game in the metro area knows who i am not across the state i don't feel like i'm famous or anything like that i just in the criminal justice game like the cops that were there like even the the uh husband uh, who was there expecting their first child even he was like oh i know that guy who is that guy i know that guy i know that guy and then when his wife told him he was like that's oh that's right i know so that's what I tell you. So I'm talking to these three former public defenders. We're chit chatting it up and I'm, Hey, where did you go to law school? What are you doing now? That kind of thing. And this one I end up talking to, we'll, we'll leave her name out of it only because it was such a bizarre reaction. But, uh, she says, Oh, I was in the, the PD's office out there in Arapahoe County. And I'm like, Oh, really? I know Arapahoe County. I'm like, uh, you know, uh, I know the, uh, the DA. And she's like, oh, I could tell you all about both of the DAs I was PD under. And I thought that was like tongue-in-cheek, like, of course, because you're talking to one of them. But nope, she keeps going. And I said, well, when were you there? What years? And she goes, well, uh t- started in 2019, and I left in 2022. So that's like a cup of coffee, right? Uh, but I'm like, oh. I said, well, we had virtually no overlap. I mean, because the COVID hit, and they kind of shut us down for a bit. And then I was gone in 21. And she goes, were you uh were you a DA out there in Arapaho? I think she's screwing around. And I go, yep, yeah, a little bit, yeah. And she goes, well, what's your name? Like, what's your full name? And I go, it's uh, it's George Brockler. And she looks at me, and the other people in this group are all looking at her. And she looks at me, and she goes, no, you're not. I go, well, we could Google me. I'm pretty sure I'm out there somewhere. <laughs> and she looks, and when, the, when the, you look up the word stupefy, it was that reaction. I swear to you, I've never seen anything like it. She stood there blinking and couldn't make words. She goes, I, uh, you're uh, you. Um, uh, and it was this horrified look at who she realized she was talking to. The other two former public defenders are looking at her. They're looking at each other. They're looking at me. And I'm like, yeah, that's that's me. And she just stands there batting her eyes, not making words. She must have been very effective in the courtroom, by the way. And uh, I end up continuing to talk with these other two who are just completely cordial. And this woman just drifts away. I mean, like literally starts backing up and then just walks away across the room. And I'm like, what in the world was that? And the two other former public defenders were like, uh, I don't know what just happened there, but that was super bizarre. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I don't know either. I don't recognize this person. We clearly never had a case together. Like it was just, it was such a bizarre thing, but it reminded me about the Kool-Aid drinking nature of the public defender's office. And it was, uh, it was bonkers, man. It was something I laughed about. Um, Graham was with me at this, at this baby shower and even Graham was like, Dad, do you think she doesn't like you? I'm like, I feel like that was displayed, you know, like this was she did she did not like me, and Graham was like, what's that about? I tell him the story. He's like, this just seems really weird. And uh, anyway, long story, but uh, it was an event that took place during an otherwise completely lovely baby shower for this uh this young couple who managed to find love, despite the fact that one of them was a former public defender and the other was a police officer. Lovely couple. They're good. He's giant. She's like short. She's like five two, dude six four. And so on this whole guess the baby stuff that they had you do, I'm like Boy, I really don't know. This could go really wrong in a lot of ways. Like the baby could come out as big as mom. I mean, that's how tall this guy is. So uh, it was, uh, it was interesting to try to make the guesses. Uh, Alexa, of course, um, <laughs> texting and she probably thought you were Stefan Tubbs. <laughs> Except I didn't smell like alcohol. No, I'm kidding. Uh, I'm joking. Uh, Our friend Stefan, of course, was in the studio last week, brought in Richard Holtorf, who we had a a lovely conversation with. We'll continue those conversations, by the way, with the CD4 folks as they uh, develop. Uh, The big news here, and and Joan is... uh, (laughs) God bless you, Joan. Joan talks about the fact that, hey, um, will Trump break 60%? I I don't know. I, I think most of the talk has been... We break 50 percent. jones says most definitely you keep pushing Halley, whoever that is because of this weather it will be an enthusiasm vote and say what you will trump supporters will show what does that mean say what i will i think trump supporters will show i think he's going to run away with the iowa caucuses i mean I, i've never said anything other than that and i'm not pushing haley i'm pushing a conversation about is this it is it over Is is this all the Republican Party has devolved into now in the era of Trump that that we shouldn't even have conversations about other candidates? It's just a foregone conclusion. We're wasting our time. We should just let this guy have the field free and clear as if he were an incumbent. I don't agree with that. I don't think that's America and I don't think that's the Republican Party. But what do I know about it? Uh, Other texts? Hopefully the people will be bundled up. You can get frostbite in 20 minutes in these temps. I bet you that's true. Uh, I, I bet you that's true. A um, couple of things I've been looking into that I want to talk about as we get through the show is this stuff with Fonnie Willis. I mean, listen, I already believed that she was so hyper partisan that her prosecution of Donald Trump would be perceived as flawed and biased and all that other stuff, independent of, of the merits of it um and that's what happens when you're on the campaign trail and you start making promises and comments and stuff like that about people you uh, you might ultimately prosecute but uh and it's not just the Dems this is a republican thing as well but that's just what happens in the further politicization of prosecution well as you know last week there was a filing in court uh made by one of the Trump co-defendants making allegations that Fani Willis was in a romantic relationship with a guy that she had tapped as a special prosecutor on a case. And, uh, folks, if you haven't looked into this thing, holy smokes. Now we're going to have a conversation about it here. We will, but when we come back from a break, but, um, there's something going on, but I want to separate for you the idea that because what is taking place appears to be, Really objectionable and horrible optics that that means that substantively the prosecution, therefore, must be flawed and thrown out. There is a disconnect there for me. Right. Like there can be a completely. Let's take it away from Trump. Guy. Mur- let's say it's funny. Wills, guy murders someone. And they have it on video that he murdered someone. And the same Fonnie Willis hires the same guy who she's alleged to have a romantic relationship with to prosecute it and pays him a crap ton of money to do it. All of those optics still look horrible. But do we say, well, better dismiss the case against the murderer? No, you wouldn't. You would say maybe Fonnie Willis shouldn't be the district attorney. Maybe the, the, the alleged boyfriend or romantic interest shouldn't be the special prosecutor on the case. That's all fair. That's all legitimate. But you don't reward the defendant for the, the misdeeds, the missteps of the prosecutor in this particular area, unless it manifests itself in some constitutional violation. I just don't think you reward the defendant with that. Now, we're not talking about murder. We're not talking about it being on videotape, but I use that as an example to highlight for you that it is difficult for me to get lathered up the way so many Trumpsters do with this idea that, um, oh, my gosh, she's a horrible D.A. She's completely politically motivated. She's hired her boyfriend. She's paid a bunch of money and therefore the case should be dismissed. No. Now, I'm not there yet. Now, you you can get me there, but not with what I've seen so far. But this stuff is crazy that's coming out about this. There may be a very innocent explanation. It's hard to imagine what that will be, given the uh, the relationships here that have uh, developed. I mean, some of these articles, folks, and you can Google this stuff. You can go find it out there on Politico. I mean, it, it, it's a left-leaning, but they do a deep dive on this stuff. Uh, Politico has some stuff out there. There's some other, uh, I think it was the New Yorker, the wall street journal has articles on this. I mean, there's a lot going on folks, uh, with this prosecution and it is, um, none of it is good. And so my, I'm going to give you the, uh, bottom line up front. Fonnie Willis should recuse herself and the special prosecutor. She should fire him immediately. She should recuse herself and ask to have either the attorney general's office, which in the state of Colorado, you'd never do because they don't know what they're doing uh, or get a different prosecutor's office to handle this thing because the the issues are too important and you need somebody who is separated from the political stink that wafts over any of these prosecutions by partisan DAs who campaigned on their zeal for wanting to get Trump. You got to separate them from this. So we'll talk about this and some of the things that are out there. This is some bonkers stuff. I I've, I've never seen anything quite like this. Uh, we'll talk about that as well. And you know when we get to it, we're going to talk about the state of Colorado. Because state GOP did something yesterday unprecedented. Uh I I've never seen anything like it before uh I never thought we'd see it I advocated against it uh I think it's bad politics but here we are and we'll talk about that as well hey our phone number for conversations on this or any other topic of course 303-696-1971 that's 303-696-1971 we're going to stick around stick around for a break we'll come back we'll keep it going It's George Brockler on the George show you're listening to 710 KNUS George Brockler back with you here 710 KNUS A couple texts coming in. I want to set the stage for this uh, next conversation here because it's a big one. As you know, Donald Trump is facing four separate prosecutions across the United States. Two of them are federal. They are led by Jack Smith. He is a prosecutor handpicked and plucked from, I think, The Hague or something like that and uh, brought over. And he's got two cases. One is out of Mar-a-Lago It's kind of broadly known as the documents case for reasons. I don't want to go through all the details on, I will tell you, I think it is far and away the strongest case against president Trump. And it poses the greatest risk to him. Um, the other federal case that he has is in Washington, DC, and it's very much tied to a prosecution in essence of January the 6th. And, uh, I, I've always said I thought that one was overly ambitious. He is too zealous on it, and I thought it was too much of a reach. That one feels to me to be incredibly political. The very first prosecution initiated against President Trump was by Alvin Bragg. He is the elected district attorney in Manhattan, and that prosecution is straight-up junk uh, because this is a guy who used – misdemeanor laws that the time had run on and twisted them, origamied them and tortured them, uh, into felonies by making allegations that I just don't think they're going to be able to prove in court. And this was by a guy who campaigned on nobody's prosecuted Trump more than I have. I'm aggressive on Trump. I will get Trump all this other stuff. Uh, that guy's unfit to prosecute the president when he's campaigned on it. That's just not how the system is supposed to work. It corrupts the system because it it poisons the idea that this is a pursuit of justice and not a pursuit of political ends. Fannie Willis is the elected district attorney in Fulton County, Georgia. Um, some wing nuts out there have said, oh, she's so brave. For bringing these charges, we're going to have to redefine bravery because, uh, Fannie Willis also a hyper partisan and she gets to be you, in this modern area. You get to be a hyper partisan. That's the path to getting elected to be a district attorney or attorney general in states everywhere. Colorado's not immune from that either. Uh, But Fonnie Willis launched a broad, broad prosecution of the president and a whole bunch of his compatriots and colleagues, some of whom have now cop deals. They've taken plea bargains in order to be cooperative in prosecution against others, including Donald Trump. Now, folks might say, oh, no, no, she has such a righteous case and the law. Listen, Georgia has a RICO law, which is like um, what you would prosecute the mob with, that is extremely broad. It is much broader than even what we have here in Colorado. It allows for almost anything to be something called a predicate offense for a larger organized crime allegation. And that's what she's done here is so is what she's doing outside the confines of Georgia law. I don't think so. And I say that because she used the same tool to go after like the teachers. Uh, I can't remember if it was the teachers union or the teachers, but she did. That doesn't make it right. Simply because it fits within the confines of a law that is overly broad and overly aggressive, the tortured use of it to achieve a political purpose. And I believe for her, this is a political purpose. She's made that clear. Um I think that's problematic. So, could Donald Trump and these others have been in violation of Georgia law? Maybe, yeah, could be. Does her motives for prosecuting matter? They do. They do matter. I don't think they're dispositive of what to do with any given case, but I do think they matter. And so that conversation has been ongoing. But lo and behold now, there's another wrinkle to this case out of Georgia. In a case called Georgia versus Michael Roman, uh, the attorney for Michael Roman filed a motion to dismiss the grand jury indictment. I'm just going to read you the caption on the, on the pleading defendant, Michael Roman's motion to dismiss grand jury indictment as fatally defective and motion to disqualify the district attorney, her office and the special prosecutor from further prosecuting this matter. Uh, And here's why Uh, this guy that Fonnie Willis has hired is named Nathan Wade. Now, Nathan Wade, uh, and you should look this up. Never just take me at my word for what's out there, okay? I'll always do the best I can give you the source for this stuff because I know many of you are at home or you're driving, working your phone as I do or something, and you want to look this stuff up. He He's part of a law firm. It looks like, uh, I don't know, two dudes, Nathan Wade and Christopher Campbell. The law firm is called Wade and Campbell, if you go to that website, you can see that within the first few words of his bio, he describes himself as a former prosecutor. Really, I don't know much more other than that he claims to have been a former prosecutor. But dude is a divorce lawyer and a civil lawyer. And outside of handling the domestic violence misdemeanors that flow out of some of the divorce cases, it appears that he has spent the last chunk of his career, huge chunk, not doing any sort of criminal prosecution at all now he had been maybe he still is an associate municipal court judge in cobb county now municipal tells me city right that's what municipal means city judges handle teeny tiny cases that have any criminal impact at all perhaps misdemeanors and that's a maybe maybe misdemeanors but most definitely traffic. So this is a traffic and low-level misdemeanor judge who Fonnie Willis weirdly reached and plucked out of his existence to be a special prosecutor charged with prosecuting what is undeniably the highest-profile case Fonnie Willis has ever touched or sniffed, let alone brought in her name, but also a case that has significant ramifications for an upcoming presidential election. So you would think that she would have picked somebody with care. One of the things I don't understand is why she had to get a special prosecutor at all, and I'm trying to look into that. Why couldn't she just tap one of her seasoned and veteran own prosecutors, or if she needed somebody that was for some reason unrelated to her office, why couldn't she reach out to another DA's office in Georgia. Turns out they have a lot of violent crime in and around Atlanta and some of the other bigger uh, parts of Georgia. They have prosecutors that know what they're doing. In fact, some years ago, not a long time ago, maybe six, seven years ago, I actually came out to the Georgia, I think it was in Jekyll Island. I think that was it. uh, The Georgia State Prosecutors Association annual conference to give a presentation on the Aurora Theater case. And um, those folks know what they're doing. I mean, you can just tell from the questions, some of the bios. I talked to some folks afterwards. These are folks that know what they're doing when it comes to prosecution. It just bewilders me that she would pluck a divorce and civil lawyer who does municipal judge traffic cases to be in charge of the biggest prosecution she's ever brought. That's kind of a big deal. It's interesting. It's certainly interesting, but it gets even more interesting, and uh, here's why. The day after Fonnie Willis plucks this dude out of nowhere to become a special prosecutor, he files for divorce against his wife, or from his wife, of like, I think they were married like 28 years, or something like that. Listen to this statistic, or this fact, and this is from some little rag called the Wall Street Journal. There exists no record that Wade, a lawyer in private practice hired to lead the Trump case, has ever handled a felony trial in Georgia. What? (laughs) What? That's crazy, right? Like, doesn't that make you wonder what did Fonnie Willis see in this guy that made her think this is the guy? Never handled a felony case before. He's a wizard on the bench with things like speeding and careless driving. This is the guy I need to lead this very complicated, high-profile, aggressive prosecution of the former president of the United States. What? I mean, listen, voters have done this all the time. We see people running for district attorney now, and we will again, by the way, uh, in this upcoming year, in in November, we'll see people running for district attorney who have been prosecutors for a cup of coffee, if at all, who have handled not a single murder, not a single murder. And you'll see metro area candidates for DA who will say, I'd like to run the office. I'd like to make decisions about murders, even though I've never been entrusted to handle one. So but that's different, too, because that's the voters making that decision. That's the voters shooting off their foot, probably over something partisan. Right. But here you have the elected D.A. handpicking a dude, and it makes you wonder why this guy. And isn't it weird that he files for divorce the day after getting what turns out to be a pretty lucrative contact uh, contract, because since 2021, so we're talking less than three years now. Since 2021, dude has billed the Fulton County DA's office somewhere around $700,000 for his job as special prosecutor. 700000 bucks. You can do the math on that, folks. What in the hell does Fonnie Willis make? My guess is she's made less money over that same period of time than uh, Nathan Wade. So what is it? Why pick this guy? Well, enter the attorney for Michael Roman to say we have evidence that this guy and Fonnie Willis are having a romantic relationship. Uh, That's a huge problem. That's uh, that is a bit of a problem. I'm not sure it's an ethical issue in terms of the prosecution. And here's why I say that. We'll get there. What if we had a husband and a wife team? in a DA's office that uh, work together. It'd be tough to supervise. I'm just saying it would be tough to supervise. But what happens if the wife's the elected DA and her husband is assigned to prosecute some case? You wouldn't say, oh, no, that's corrupt purpose there. There's a corrupt... That's not the problem with that. So this, it's not just the romantic piece. It's that she picked some dude who doesn't have the chops or the experience to do it. You know, the last time we saw something like this, and in no way am I saying there was a romantic involvement... How about A.G. Phil Weiser hiring two dudes from giant civil law firms, Chicago and L.A., who were who've never been a federal prosecutor, who appear to have never handled a state murder charge ever and assigned them, hired them to come prosecute Elijah McClain. This is a growing trend. It's just very interesting. I want to have this conversation with you because I want to know, what does this mean? Do you think that the charges should be dismissed because of that? And if so, why three zero three six nine six nineteen seventy one? Let's cut kind of away for a break. We'll come back. We'll keep the conversation going, and then we'll hit the seven o'clock hour and we'll hit our stride. It's George Brockler on the George Show seven ten KNUS. George Brockler back with you here seven ten KNUS. Only a couple minutes uh, left. I want to get to many many of the uh, the texts that are coming in here. I want to keep those going on. What should happen in the prosecution of Donald Trump? Down there in Fulton County, Georgia, as a result of these allegations, should they be proven true, there's some real wackiness going on down in Atlanta. I mean, just from the way it's being reported, not from conservative publications, by the way, bit of a gong show and some decision making there. Uh, Listen, something else somebody turned me on to that I did not realize. And we'll wrap up the first hour with this. There's a woman named Madison Marsh. She's a second lieutenant in the Air Force. She graduated this past May from the Air Force Academy down in El Paso County. She's Miss Colorado, but now she's Miss America. Very first active duty uh, Air Force officer to ever win that title. It's incredible. She's now at, by the way, degree in physics, for those of you who are like, oh, pretty face. No, no, it's the brain. Physics, and now she's uh, studying some sort of public policy at some dumpy school called the Harvard Kennedy School of something or other. But, oh, my goodness, she's a two-time National Astronaut Scholar, eight-time Dean's List at the Air Force Academy, NASA intern for Gamma Ray Burst Research, National Roads Finalist, certified private pilot, black belt in taekwondo, taekwondo, for those of you who thought about getting handsy. Sweet goodness, it says, awarded pilot as official Air Force career Superstar uh, out of the Air Force Academy in Colorado. Miss Colorado, now Miss America, Madison Marsh, thanks for turning me on to that story. Hey, James, by the way, as we continue to work our way through this, you've got to talk me down in the last 20 seconds and let me know where we're at. That's just so I don't end up getting cut off. Uh, here's where we're going to go when we come back. I'm going to try to respond to these texts that have been coming in here, but I want to know what should happen here. Should Donald Trump be the beneficiary of the shenanigans that appear appear to have been taking place between Fonnie Willis and this lightly, if at all, experienced special prosecutor assigned to prosecute Donald Trump and, oh, by the way, collect over $700,000 in less than three years of uh, prosecuting. That would be incredibly interesting to have that conversation. James, how much time we got? 20 seconds. Thanks, man. Hey, our number, and I want to have the talk with you, 303-696-1971. 303-696-1971. It's George Brockler. You're listening to 710 KNUS.